Hello, welcome to another episode of Postcards from Antioch, a training, teaching, discipleship mission podcast from Barton Church. And today, Oz and I are going to be having a chat about the Old Testament law and looking at it as a genre, how to think about it, how maybe how to, if you've got prepare a talk on an Old Testament passage from the law, how do, how do you do that? So that's the kind of thing we'll be talking about today. I think it's not. Us. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And I think if if we can, we'll focus a bit on Exodus and maybe if we get time, a bit of Deuteronomy as well. Yeah. And then we get a bit of a, a case study towards the end of some okay. of the principles we look at. So looking at the law, obviously law is as a word, carries heavy tones, law, punishment, all those kind of things. Have you uh, ever been stopped by the police, Oz, for breaking the law? Oh, that sounds like quite like a, a bad thing to happen. But yes, I have. Um, it's okay. one of those things, isn't it? When you drive, and certainly for me, if I realise I'm driving too fast, I'll kind of quickly check the mirrors and hope there's not a police car in sight. Um, unfortunately, once that did happen and I got pulled over when I was driving in South Africa, and I was a okay. bit concerned because I thought, oh, I'm going to get you know, asked to pay a, a steep fine or have to bribe my way out okay. of prison or something. Um, anyway, I was, I was driving quite fast and I uh, faster than I probably should have should have been. Um, and so I just chatted to the, the police officer and he's he was really interested when I told him where I was staying. And then I thought, I'm just going to carry on trying to build a rapport. Yeah. Um, and I talked about working for a church and a mission organization and going into schools and helping in the community. And he was so um, glad to hear that okay. I was doing that, that he forgot that I'd been speeding and wished me well and sent me on my way. So that's nice. basically played the the Christian card. Yeah, and it well, that's, you know, my opinion of you has gone down. <laughs> It's not necessarily Did you, good do you thing, keep like a, a dog collar in the glove box? This was when I was Just a young 19-year-old, yeah. so I okay. wasn't even a holy pastor well, then. Okay. I did get pulled over in Australia, funnily enough, did by you? the police for speeding. And the guy just basically let me off with a warning. I think he looked in. We were on our way on holiday, and uh, there were roadworks, but I'd carried on following the speed limit. They basically was like, you know, did you see the sign? You know, where you... I think he looked in the back and saw five kids and thought, I'm just going to let this, this guy's got enough on his this plate. This poor guy. Yeah. yeah. So he sent us off. So that's good. So a nice South African police officer, a nice Australian police officer. Obviously, there's lots of nice British police officers out there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, and sure if you're listening are. and you're a police officer, then go easy on the person that you catch next. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they've done something really bad. Yeah. That's it. Right. That anyway, is true. But that's kind of the point. What is bad? You know, what what can you? What do you uh, need to come down hard on? And what do you just say? There's room for grace here. Mm. So, speaking about the Old Testament law, doesn't sound like there's much grace in the Old Testament law, is there, Oz? Well, there we go. That's a good opening thought because when we hear the word law and Bible, it doesn't mean or make us necessarily want to dive into it and read it because we'll soon discover, oh no, I'm not doing this. I've done that wrong. I fall short of a standard. And we can quite quickly build up an image of God as this lawgiver who's quite cross with us because we struggle to keep it. Yeah. Um, and maybe on, on, on a kind of first reading of some of the Old Testament, we might go away with that concept for the people of Israel, how they failed, how they didn't 
kind of keep the law. And God's a bit like this police officer that basically tells them off and occasionally lets them off. Mm. Um, but let's think, so the law books, and I think there's different ways of understanding that word law in the Old Testament. Yeah. Torah is one, okay, yeah. um, which is Hebrew for law. Mm -hmm. And in the Greek, I think it's nomos, which is the Greek word for it that we come across. But the five, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, are basically classed as the books of the law, the law of Moses. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, do you enjoy, do you, is that the first place you jump to when you want to read the Bible? Yeah, it's not the easiest place to start, is it? I mean, I did, I remember, um, someone saying, I want to read the Bible and, you know, I thought I'd start in Genesis and read all the way through, which isn't a bad way to do it, but I, this particular person, a few of us said, no, you should probably start with a gospel or something like that because you can get bogged down. In numbers or something like that mm. fairly early on. So then one question might come to mind is why would God, if he's revealing himself through words, through the Bible as we have it, why, why are there so many books, five big books, long books in the Old Testament, all about law? And I, I guess it's important to address that at the start and then see how that's unfolded mm -hmm. as we dive into some details and look at some examples. But the law wasn't so much about making sure that the people kept to everything that God wanted them to keep to, but for them to know how to be God's people. Yeah. Okay. How to relate to one another as a society within a society, within a culture and how to relate to God to shed the ways of the Egyptian past as they had been kind of saved, rescued from Egypt via Moses and the, the Exodus and that they wouldn't adopt the ways, the practices, uh, the laws or lack of laws of the people of Canaan. So God gave them the law, which sounds quite burdensome, but actually is a, a way of relating to one another and to him as God's holy, distinct people. Yeah, okay. So marking them out as being different from the nations around them. Precisely. So law, if seen through that, rather than just um, the letter of the law, but a spirit of the law there, the, the blessings of knowing how, and, and we've both got children, uh, they kind of need some guidance and boundaries, yeah. don't they? They need guidelines and, yeah, boundaries. That's quite right, yeah. So maybe we can think of some of the laws, at least, as being more like boundaries, markers about how to relate to this God who is holy, powerful, has rescued them from Egypt through miraculous deliverance, but wants them to live in a way that's good for one another and to fulfill those Abrahamic promises. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But there are a few different ways the Bible talks about law. Do you know, do you know, can you, do you know, aware of any of, so when we come across law, what's it referring to? There's quite a few references in the New Testament <laughs> yeah. and in the Old. So, um, well, I'm not sure. I think there is a distinction. Um, is there a distinction drawn between law with a capital L, kind of like the Torah, as you mentioned, those first five books of the, li of the library of the Bible, and then other things which are called law in the New Testament, but are more to do with things that have come come about over the the years of trying to figure out how to put into practice Torah. 
exactly yes and so that's really helpful to us because when we read different parts of the bible it we need to think oh is it referring here to the first five books the law of moses is it referring to this whole jewish tradition of commandments laws that certain rabbis might interpret in yeah. certain ways and oh your laws jesus might say yes know, in a more informal sense yeah he's not then not yeah king. meaning the things that have been added on or the how they've decided to apply the the laws the law in the torah precisely so we've got laws traditions and all sorts of yeah. other things there are just over 600 specific laws found in these five books that um are commandments that the people of israel needed to keep as evidence in a way of their loyalty to god mm -hmm. yahweh god yeah. um so we've got that in the plural sense but then as you say the law with the capital l talking about the pentateuch and uh um typically in those first five books um and it's god's way of almost as this um creating a covenant with his people and that was actually quite normal for the, the yeah. cultures of the time where a, a vassal a kind of servant figure um and had this suzerain this lord overlord um saying this is the relationship the covenant that we're going to have um here are the laws yeah. keep them for your good and blessing and if you don't there'll be trouble yeah yeah it's quite a normal thing so we've got that to understand about the general part of the bible um so in you if you if we were to read genesis through to deuteronomy would it just be law after law maybe you can explain i mean you're familiar with those books yeah uh it it's not really just law after law there are some stories thrown in there sprinkled through there of i mean genesis and, and exodus really are mostly the story of god's people up to the point of how they receive the law and then numbers leviticus deuteronomy perhaps maybe a bit more law heavy but there's still odd stories in there i think particularly deuteronomy it's the last book of the, the pentateuch and that covers things like moses's death and things like like yeah. that yeah so. and so even so the laws are placed right in the middle of this historical narrative yeah the patriarchs of genesis half of exodus until the ten commandments when the people have reached mount sinai and then you get all the explanations about how to build the tabernacle and all the laws as you've described but i think that's helpful as well to think that these early books in the bible they're setting the scene for the people of god but law was given um, in the middle of a story of a, a movement yeah. of God and people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly what we get. We get lots of that. But how do we then, I guess the question is, how do we begin to apply something that's quite culturally specific, mm -hmm. ancient, you could say? Um, and how, so, yeah, why bother with it, really? We've yeah. got the New Testament. Why bother with law for a specific people in a specific time? Yeah. Most of which Christians would say, well, Jesus has come. We don't need yeah. it. Um, have you ever had anyone ask you that? don't know how you'd begin to think. And then I can maybe share some of the yeah. things that I've uh, thought I don't on. think anyone I've ever had a discussion with anyone's asked me about that. I've, I've thought about it myself. Like you, you, you do. I think you have to, really. You can't mm. just 
Um, I don't think it's right, particularly as uh, as I am a Gentile believer, non-Jewish, to kind of lift the the law given to Israel and think, well, how do I do all of these things? Like because that's not what God's called me to. As, as um, he, He's called, um, as you said, the, this was the covenant He gave to to Israel, and uh, so on. But I've not. Um, no, I've not had that discussion with anyone. Maybe I'm about to. Maybe you're about to. <laughs> we're we're gonna go. We're gonna think a bit about how we can rightly understand and apply and yeah benefit from those early books in the Bible. Yeah. Um. I mean, we as preachers will preach on parts of them at times. And yes. Maybe yeah. Not do a whole series on a whole book of the law, but there might be passages that we have preached on. Um, and I guess a part of this is also encouraging people to get into those early books of the Bible yeah. to understand the context for the New Testament and the rest of the the Old Testament um, prophets and his, historical narratives. But I think what I want to say is that all of the Bible and those first five books, those laws included, are God's inspired word for us. Yeah. Um, not direct commands yes. for us yeah, to yeah. keep, but they are inspired um obviously highly relevant for the people at that time but still applicable as we kind of figure out how today for us so let's just jump maybe i can ask you to read matthew 5 17 to 18 this is a bit of the sermon on the mount and jesus's view of the laws mm -hmm. and the old covenant That's and that will help us to um, know yeah. what jesus thinks and then we'll go back and see actually what some of these passages in the law books say yeah okay. so 17 and 18 matthew 5 17 do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them i tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished that's quite a key couple of verses there from Jesus speaking about his being the fulfiller but that doesn't mean that we can disregard instead that there's relevance they will be fulfilled and continue to be so what we see is the Ten Commandments and the, the law of loving the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself repeated by Jesus and the apostles in different books in the new testament but many of the other laws they're not brought forward yeah. as direct commands for you and me as gentiles um, we don't have a temple we don't have a sacrificial system jesus was the lamb of god who died so mm -hmm. we kind of know that as as christians and maybe um we've we've heard that in sermons or we've figured that out ourselves but i still think it's good for us just to understand how, what we do with chapter after chapter yeah. of awkward laws can we just skip over them? If you're doing like a Bible in the year, can you go <laughs> Leviticus, skip? Yeah. I've been tempted to um, sometimes persevered and gone, right. And other times I've gone, oh, that's why it matters. So let's explore some of that um, together. Um, so there's different types of laws. Um, some of them are civil and ritual. Mm -hmm. And we're not a part of the people of Israel. Yeah at that time in that place so understandably we've said that that we don't need to keep them we haven't got a temple we haven't got a 
sacrificial system that we're encouraged to implement. If we did, we might find like the RSPB or the human rights yeah. laws yeah. kind of <laughs> knocking on our door. Um, so probably just as well um, that we're not attempting to. But maybe I, we can just look at a few laws. So mm -hmm. um, Leviticus 19, 9 to 14 sounds a bit like, maybe you can read that, sounds a bit like um, parts of the Ten Commandments, but it's more than that. And it's a bit of a do, don't, direct commands. Um, so if you could okay. read from verse 9 to 14 of Leviticus 19. Yeah, Leviticus 19 from verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and say profane the name of your Lord, of your God, I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Is that right? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So that just gives us a, a flavor yeah. of some of the laws, which are quite do or don't do this. But behind them, there are principles mm, that yeah. we probably think that's a good principle. Yeah. Did any stand out to you as you read them? Well, uh, so the first one about uh leaving when you harvest actually leaving stuff i mean we see that in we see that in practice in the book of ruth but also don't go over your vineyard the second time so this principle of leaving leaving stuff behind for those who are on the outcast out fringes of society yeah and uh don't have their own vineyard or own fields to harvest yeah so it's a law that they've got to keep but actually it's got a there's a great benefit for the poor, yeah. the disadvantaged. Um, it, it makes us think of others, not just self, yeah. not maximum profit, but care for those yeah. that are disadvantaged. And then some of the other laws were quite um, understandably, well, that, that would make society better. Yes, that's right. So immediately we've we've talked just about a few laws that we think, well, we're not in that culture. We're not in that kind of society. We, we're not farmers, maybe. Yeah. But how can we apply those principles helpfully? And what mm. do they reveal about who God is? Yeah. And his heart for all, not just the wealthy, um, for justice, not just um, a, an obedient people that fall in line. Yeah. So yeah. I think there, there are a few things that we can take. But the law does set a standard by example. It says, look, how you live matters. And that is a part of being god's holy people and um, not just because it's right to obey your lord but because there's a benefit for you and for others mm. and it's a, a a way of maybe also fulfilling that promise to abraham to be a blessing um and a blessing to the nations a light distinct different so there's, there's one example another one i've got here is in deuteronomy 15 12 to 17 and again, not a situation maybe we would find ourselves in, but maybe a principle that we can apply. And this is not so much a do or don't um, direct command. This is more a case by case law. 
Okay, yeah. Um, that group of, of types of law, case yeah. by case, if this is your situation. So Deuteronomy 15 verse 12 says, if any of your people, so straight away, well, mm. this isn't for everyone. Yeah. Hebrew men or women, so specifically, mm -hmm. sell themselves to you and serve you six years. In the seventh year, you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. This is why I give you this command today. Mm. So it's a command, it's a law. But it's not going to be something that everyone implements because not everyone would have a servant or a slave. But if you do, there's a concept of freeing. Yeah. Of blessing. So quite different to the maybe first sort of what a slave might be in yeah. our minds um, from history. And that you were slaves in Egypt mm. and now God has freed you. So as God has freed you, think about how you imitate God. Yeah. Which, um, again, oh, how do we apply that? And when we read the New Testament, maybe we come across the concepts of households and families, but also servants or slaves, mm. bond servants. Um, and we can read that maybe not with the negative lens that we might jump to, yeah, but with the appropriate lens. Mm. Um, Leviticus again. I don't know if you're still in Leviticus. Chapter 11, verse 7. Turn to Leviticus. <clears throat> Chapter 11, did you say? Yeah, verse 7. So we'd, we've jumped from some direct commands to some case-by-case, case, if this is your circumstance. Mm -hmm. And now we'll look at a food law. Okay. Do you like bacon? I do, yeah. Bacon makes everything better. A good old BLT. Hard to beat. Well, just no? get rid of the L and the T. <laughs> right. No, I, do like, I do like lettuce, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, if you can read 11 verse 7 for us of Leviticus. 11 7. Uh, and the pig, though it has a split hoof completely divided, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. Right. So I think this is in a group, a chapter of lots of food laws. Yeah. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay, so. About what, you, what food, clean and unclean food, yeah. So we don't think of it in those terms, do we? Well, we'll probably wash the food that we eat. Right, yeah. On some occasions. Yes. Uh, maybe a dodgy lettuce, give it a rinse. <laughs> but typically, we don't have clean and unclean classifications. No. Kind of eat what you want as long yeah. as it's not bad for you. And even then we might yeah, do it. <laughs> but God decided to say, this is on the menu, this is off the menu. Um, and pork is one of those it's off the menu yeah and we might think why did god do that what was the sense the purpose and it's probably true that different theologians and dietitians have speculated yes yeah i don't know if you do you know no, why? i just i've i remember hearing someone say well you know pork is not very healthy that uh so you know it's a of a health benefit god gave this law not because you know he just arbitrarily pick the pigs yeah but because he was thinking oh this is good for my people's health but i mean i don't know if that's yeah valid or not i think that's one of the thoughts i've heard a few others as, as i was preparing this one it would be foolish in an agrarian context of a desert or canaan to try and kind of focus your energy on on, on herds of pigs right. better yeah. flocks of lambs which and goats which yes, cope in those sure. environments 
the other that um, actually there's a greater risk of disease and hygiene issues when so you know th th there are all these kind of arguments yeah on one level god said so therefore do it but it seems actually even beneath that there's some wisdom in terms of hygiene diet health and the context you're in that might mean it's 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 wise not to and that incidentally lamb seems to be the least uh, sort of allergy type meat and that okay. was typically the the prime meat that they ate yes yeah. so god cares about our body yeah health could be yes, one of the things yeah. but food laws that's just one example and then the whole system changes doesn't it when we get to um acts and peter sees this vision yeah and all foods back on the menu for the gentile at least yeah, yeah. and arguably for jews although maybe not um but yeah there's a there's a shift it's more less about what you put in that's unclean and more yes. about what comes out yeah. of the heart that's unclean yeah so food laws so for then there's a bunch of them and then there's a load of laws about the shedding of blood and the sacrificial system um and the consequence of sin um death penalty in some instances adultery for example yeah. Um, how to slaughter a bull, what to do with the blood, how to sprinkle it over the altar, yeah. how to deal with um, sin of sort of unintentional sin, intentional sin. We're not going to read all of those, but what I gather, I, I'd expect many people that are probably listening to this know that Jesus was one sacrifice once for all. Mm -hmm. And therefore we don't, and not only do we not have a temple and a system, but he, his blood was shed for us and we put yeah. faith in his sacrifice as the ultimate substitute and uh, atoning sacrifice. So loads of laws, loads of other things that we could go down, like why you shouldn't um, boil a young goat in its mother's milk. There's the other classic that comes out. Yeah. I'm sure you've got a great answer for that one. No? No. Well, <laughs> I've, I've heard it's to do with some sort of uh, pagan ritual sort of idol worship but yeah again i wonder if that's just sort of speculation or whether there's hard hard evidence, evidence for, for yeah ritual cult practices yeah. of the surrounding nations yeah. and therefore you're different um these symbolic magic acts aren't gonna be what we're about probably yeah. possibly who knows either way there are lots of these ones. And I mean, I remember listening to the radio once and a friend of mine, he had said he was on the radio. Uh, uh, he was a theology student at Durham. And he was asked that specific question by some sort of radio presenter. So you're a Christian. Well, what about the Old Testament? It's pointless, irrelevant. You know, why, why you know, is this law? And this was the specific law yeah. that was quoted by the, okay. the, the DJ yeah. guy and the radio guy. And the answer was, as we've discussed, but... The emphasis was for that time for those people to keep honoring God through yeah. how they lived rather than us figuring out what it means yeah. today. Yeah. Um, so loads of different laws. So if, if you're listening or if we're preparing a sermon, if we're looking at leading a Bible study, how do we make the most of these mm. bits of the Bible? Yeah. We're probably not going to jump to some of these passages immediately. No. But it would be foolish to just avoid them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? They're God's word. Um, so context, I think, keeping in mind the promises of Abraham and how they're fulfilled through the nation of Israel, being a witness, yeah. a holy blessing. Yeah. 
observation, understanding its historical narrative mixed with law, um, and knowing how to apply now that Christ has come and we have the Holy Spirit, we don't have a temple, we don't have the need for a sacrificial system uh, is really important. And then applying, actually getting to the application, I, I think one of the main things to bear in mind is through the light of the coming Saviour Jesus, mm -hmm. the ultimate lawgiver of the Holy Spirit, really, impressing yeah. the law upon our hearts so that we can know God's ways and live in line with his will. All those kind of principles, I think, are principles we can take and discover more about who God is. I mean, who who would you say, how does God reveal himself, his character, through books like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? Are there, are there, are there characteristics of God you think come out? Well, I think we've touched on it like you some of the laws we looked at highlighted concern for justice which yep. indicates that god has a heart for justice um so i think there's a those kind of things love for the community looking after others that these are things that are important to god um as you say not just pursuit of you know, profit for profit's sake and explo exploitation, but actually, uh, you know, sort of living in harmony with others around you and with, with the world around you. But at the same time, God is passionate for his people to avoid being drawn into um, the religions of the nations ar around them. Um, and because I suppose because he knows that will lead them into practices that are against his character and, and not what his heart is for. Yeah. yeah, definitely. No, that's really helpful. So God's justice and being distinct, holiness of God. That just, yeah, actually, by reading these things, we see in a different way through this mm. biblical genre, characteristics of God to the fore and implications of us and how we do things even when we don't fully understand them maybe yeah. because of who God is and the fact that it's going to be good for others. Great. So we're just going to finish this mm -hmm. episode now with a little, um, little look at Exodus and maybe very briefly Deuteronomy. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. The first half, as you've said, is largely narrative, but then we get the 10 commandments mm -hmm. and I think chapter 19 yeah. and then it, it becomes it feels like a, a book of the law <laughs> yes. with lots of instructions, lots of, lots of yeah. details. Um, and then, so, so just as we think about these books, I think the structure of books are, are really important to understand and they help us to then interpret them and apply them. So one way of understanding Exodus is to see, not just to sort of dive into the odd verse here or there, but to step back and see the big picture of the book and how the first maybe 13 chapters, it's Israel in Egypt, and God is revealed as saviour. Um, and we, and then the second sort of chunk, chapter 13 to 24, Israel is at Sinai. They've, the exodus has happened, and we see God as the companion, the, the law-giving companion. Mm -hmm. He's with his people. He's revealing himself in a way that he hadn't, um, well, had through miraculous signs and wonders but now it does through law and then the last 
chapters 24 to 40, Israel are at Sinai, but they're around the tabernacle that's being made or being um, explained. And God is dwelling with his people. So as we think about these kind of themes, if we're then in a particular chapter in Exodus, yeah. we can think, oh, right, well, this is the kind of big picture of what God is revealing himself as. Mm. How does this verse chapter relate to that yeah. larger revelation of God? Yeah. So, um, and then within Exodus, we've got lots of themes like covenant and God's name in chapter three um, being revealed, the mm. lamb of God, um, God's fiery holiness, and then specifically the law in, in chapter 1920, um, tabernacle. So there's loads of different themes that we can look at as well as the specific kind of being overwhelmed maybe by one earth. Yeah. You know, why do I need to read about ephods sure. and yeah. priests? Yeah. Well, um, maybe that's relevant. So we'll just look at one comparison and maybe we'll do, if you, <laughs> if you could read Exodus 29, verse 42 to 46. Exodus 29, 42 to 46. Yeah, thank you. And then I'll, I'll get another reference ready. Uh, 42 so Exodus 29 verse 42 for the generations to come this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord there I will meet you and speak to you there also I will meet with the Israelites and the place will be consecrated by my glory so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Sorry, Aaron. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Thanks. So we've got there some um, law-related language with, with the tabernacle, with sacrifices but in the in those last few verses <clears throat> we we'd see that there's a focus on god dwelling with his people yeah being with them close near this is a god that is not distant removed he he's with them and then if we think of john 1 14 the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us dwelt tabernacled lived and then in Revelation 21, the pretty much the last chapter of the Bible, mm. verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So what we've you've just read, what Jesus yeah. embodied, what the end of the Bible is about, is basically God being with his people mm. close. Yeah. And maybe that just one example from Exodus <laughs> and there are others can help us see, wow, this is this is quite exciting. This is relationship. Yes. Not rules. Yes. This is off the back of rescue. And suddenly this idea of law being about God being a policeman that's always up, upset with us. Yeah. It's probably not the best analogy. In fact, it's heretical. Mm. It's wrong. Yeah. 
God is wanting to be with him, with his people like a father wants to be with his children. So that's Exodus. And very briefly, Deuteronomy, we'll just touch on, I think we've got yeah. a few minutes. Um, so this is the conclusion of the Pentateuch. That, and, and somebody said that, I think it might have been Chris Wright, um, the heartbeat of the Old Testament is found in Deuteronomy. So if you want to mm -hmm. get a taste of the Old Testament, read Deuteronomy, and it's like the beating heart. It, it means second law or copy of the law, and Moses basically preaches um, a sermon. We've got an, a, a prologue, his first speech, a second, and then a third speech, and then the, the sort of farewell and his departure. Mm. So it's Moses going... I've traveled with you for 40 years. I've, you've come out of Egypt. This is all that's happened. And this it's his big ex exhortation. It's like an inspirational, motivational message. Keep going, choose life, choose God, be obedient and blessings will come. Uh, and so it's got a different flavor to Exodus. It's got a different flavor to Leviticus, but it's full of law and it is built around that ancient Near Eastern covenant form mm -hmm. that we've referred to yeah. at the beginning. So with that kind of preamble, prologue, general stipulations, detailed ones, and then the blessings and curses that will come. Um, and again, it's full of themes that are really relevant. Um, and so I, I wonder, you mentioned at, at the start, and well, maybe this will be a good finishing point about how it can feel a bit graceless, the Old Testament yeah. law. Yeah. Is there grace? Where's grace in books like Deuteronomy? Um, and, you know, should we really persevere with them? Um, what, what, what kind of things maybe jump to mind when you think about grace in Deuteronomy? Anyth anything particularly? Um, nothing specifically. I don't know the book well enough i think but i'm sure there are there's plenty of of uh, hints of grace if not outright grace in some of these uh these things that 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 moses speaks about yeah and i think just like the general overall narrative is you've been saved and the promise of the promised land is coming you're about to enter it under yeah. joshua so save to enjoy the dwelling of God with you, to fulfill the promises, rescued by grace. Yeah. Not because you're great, not because you're mighty or in number, but because I love you. Like my firstborn um, child and so come and enjoy it. But that comes with a committed relationship of mm. faithfulness of loving loyalty and obedience and actually what's what's our relationship with god based on it's based on our rescue on god's grace to us but it comes with a look if you're gonna then be be faithful follow my commands jesus says teaching disciples to obey all that i've said and if we don't there's grace mm. And there was, and actually the story of the whole Old Testament is one of God's people failing. And yet God in his grace and patience, giving them another go, another chance, forgiving yeah. them. And yet in the end, they were judged, but even then a remnant um, survived. And in Jesus, we know that the fulfillment came as amidst our failure to keep the law, as we read in like 
Romans 3, um, no one is righteous, not even one. But in Jesus, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, that we um, could become children of God. And Deuteronomy, kind of, you see, we see echoes of that through the book. Um, uh, and so, yeah, just an encouragement. Let's not overlook the law books, be it Exodus and that famous story being rescued from Egypt, the Ten Commandments or Deuteronomy might on the surface feel like repetition, but actually we see grace at the heart of it. We see God's faithfulness. We see issues of, we've mentioned justice, poverty, debt, homelessness, social, um, hygiene, ethics, but all of them we can think about applying in our mm. lives uh, today um, and through the light of who God reveals himself to be. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe if if you want to find out more, just take a deep dive into Deuteronomy. Yeah. Um, people, if you're listening, go for it. I think yeah. it's an amazing book um, that wraps up the Pentateuch, the law books, and we we see grace at the heart of it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the wonderful thing about where we are now is that there's always the internet. There's all kinds of resources out there to help you understand some of the trickier passages if you're struggling with sort of asking that question well what's the principle behind this or anything like that so yeah all right well thank you oz i'm sure that's really helpful um, it's very uh very helpful advice there for people who are perhaps struggling to just read it let alone mm. having to prepare to speak about it or anything like that well, so, no problem Good thank fun. you yeah so and uh, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on uh, Postcards from Antioch.